Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Hand on her. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we're talking 1988's License to Drive. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you've already watched the movie. And I don't know if I've ever made you watch this movie before. No, no, this was a fresh one for me. Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think the only Corey Haim movie you've ever made me watch before was the the Roller Boys that we watched. What about Lost Boys? I mean, you didn't have to make me watch that one. That's Lost Boys. I guess. If, if I didn't watch Lost Boys on my own, I shouldn't be doing anything movie related. <laughs> like That's just not okay. Um, it was watching this movie where I realized, and this is nothing to say of his performance in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Feldman sucks. <laughs> I, 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 this is the third movie in a row where Haim beat him out for the lead role. I saw something in the trivia for that. I thought it was the second, but that's maybe, maybe the second. I, I think it was the third. But at what point does that not sour somebody towards another person? And then realizing that whenever he tries to take the forefront, it's poorly reviewed. Things like uh, Dream a Little Dream. And then you see the nightmare that was Dream a Little Dream 2. But I think he realized that without Haim, he's nothing. Whereas Haim had his own somewhat successful career without Feldman. To the point where Feldman brings Haim in for the two Corey's reality show. Completely selfish. I, I, I think full well, you, there's no way anybody thought putting Corey Haim in front of the cameras again was a great idea for his health. Um, and then after Haim dies, Feldman releases a book that's somewhat about himself. Well, he tries to make it about himself, but ends up talking about Haim for most of the time. It's He needs to just stop everything. He's not good. But we saw in Lost Boys, a decent performance, but he's not a lead. In this, a decent performance, but he's not a lead. I could not imagine Corey Feldman as Les Anderson in this movie. No, no. And to be honest, even if I think about movies that he did without Corey Haim, not as the lead, such as The the Burbs, right? And Gremlins. Uh, he, he's fine. I just don't know if he's a lead. And there's nothing wrong with that. You You need bit players. Yeah, exactly. But you look at the characters, too, in those two movies. I'm sorry, we'll get into License to Drive in a second. Oh, yeah, but... we were going to review License to Drive. <laughs> in, in The Burbs, his character doesn't need to exist. In Gremlins, his character doesn't need to exist. You could write them both out, and the movie would not change. I mean, you could technically take him out of this movie, too. Um, it would. Like it would work... a bit more of a purpose. It's a bit more, but it would not take a lot of rewrites to take him out entirely, right? Yeah, and I don't know how much it would change the quality of this film. But it's fine. It's fine, right? Like, we're not here to talk about your your love for Corey Haim and your disdain for Corey Feldman. I do love Corey Haim. If our listeners don't already know, you're a big Corey Haim fan. That comes through. <laughs> you don't need you don't need to continue to to justify it. We got it, dude. We got it. Oh, I'm not justifying it. I'm I'm just <laughs> taking the opportunity to talk about it. Anyway, well, 
Anyways, let's talk about it then and get into License to Drive. Okay, well, the movie gets off on a pretty solid note because we open on a terrible credit sequence that lets us know the quality of the movie we're about to watch. Those opening credits were horrid. <laughs> um, Garbage. I don't even remember <laughs> seeing that before, and I think it's because I blocked it out. It looks like the credits you might have in one of those, like, educational movies made directly for a school training uh, class on driving. Yeah, I, like, I honestly We don't have a budget like a for this. Yeah, we don't have the budget for this. This this is what you get. Animated road signs. Mm -hmm. We anyway. can pretend that that was what they were going for. Right? Very thematic to the to the movie is that yeah. they're replicating what you would see in the credits of a of a driving school video from the seventies. It, it was the late eighties though, so maybe that was a thing. I mean, look at the introduction for Christmas Vacation, right? Also animated, but a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, well, they're they're not on the same level, dude. Yeah, I know. Well, the shittiest school bus I have ever seen drives down a suburban road. Made to look like a prison bus, the joke is pushed further when we see all the students aboard are chained to their seats. Our hero, Les Anderson, played by one Corey Haim, is filing away at his shackles. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Corey Haim, man. We got it. <laughs> hey, I, I, you, you brought me back to that one. I was moving on. Can I say... Since I've already derailed us a little bit here, Les Anderson? Yeah. It's not the first name I have a problem, or it's not the last name I have a problem with in this movie, but come on. What? I'm, I'm, it's a bad name. Leslie? Oh, it could also be Lester, I guess, but... It could be Lester. Oh, God, what a horrible name. But they just go with Les, and it's like... I guess this is a situation where less is more. We're on my second <laughs> bullet point, and you're already making puns. I didn't intend to. I just really did <laughs> want to criticize the name of the character. Well, it could it could also be intentional because he is an underdog in the movie. I'm but not he, I'm not putting a lot of faith in anything in this movie being intentional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He pauses to wipe the grime off of the window and sees Mer. In, played by Heather Graham, sitting in the passenger seat of a parked Ferrari. Okay. It didn't take long, but Mercedes Lane? Yeah. Come on. What? It's like they're not even trying. What do you mean? That's a terrible name. I've met somebody named Mercedes. Not just the name itself, but you combine it with Lane. Mm -hmm. Very much like, you know, a Lane when you're driving. A laneway? Like, come on. I didn't get that. We get it. This movie is about him wanting to drive. Are, is it saying that he wants to drive her, too? That's not this kind of movie. Mm. Okay, maybe it is. is okay. it? Yeah, I don't, it? Fine. It's a stupid name. Okay. The now freed Les bolts for the rear emergency exit door and dives through the window... Once on the ground, he makes a break for the sports car, hops in the driver's seat, and the two take off, starting a chase with a school bus in pursuit. Um, we know this is a dream. Oh, yeah. 100%. Obviously. But I still have to point out how well that stupid bus was keeping up with a Ferrari. I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah. Yeah, there's no way that a bus should be keeping up with it. 
Uh, unless no. he's just driving in first gear the whole time. And the best part about that chase scene is that the bus driver is just jamming the wheel back and forth left to right and just swerving through boxes and crates and everything through alleyways and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it, it's proven to be a dream because we see Les has fallen asleep at his desk in, I guess, a high school driving class. Uh, we go back to the dream where he strikes a match and lights Mercedes' cigarette, immediately making me wonder how old she is, before driving past a leaking gasoline tanker. Les throws the match, which has already gone out, is no longer lit at this point, behind him, and it sparks the gas, causing an explosion <laughs> that finally stops the ensuing school bus. <laughs> I, it was a great explosion. Yeah. It just Like, is he a fuck-up in his dreams, too? There's a lot of problems with this, but I will say that the dream sequence was at least a little fun. It was fun. It was over the top. It obviously, like, this movie does not take itself too seriously. No. <laughs> because if it did, there would be a lot less creepy moments. There, yeah. Mm-hmm. The ringing school bell finally wakes less. His sister, Natalie, uh, Nina Zimasco, uh who I know is Susie from Airheads, uh, and her friend make fun of him, wondering if he has mono or is just brain dead. Eh, enjoyable line. The enraged teacher makes Les stay after class and repeatedly write, I will drive safely on the chalkboard. Once finished, he races outside to catch the bus, only to see it drive away. Well, yeah, he was in detention. Yeah. How long is that detention, though? Or how long do these kids have to wait for the school bus to take them home? These are all good questions. I do not know. <laughs> um, this next part really made me wonder. Because Les sees Mercedes hop into the Ferrari from his dream, but this time the man behind the wheel is Paolo. How old do you think Paolo looks here? Old enough to go to jail for what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. Unlike this dude's fucking like 29 or 35 or something. Um, and I looked into it, and he's only actually—he's two years older than Heather Graham in real life. Oh wow, he—he uh, he definitely looks fairly aged. Yeah, because he also played uh, Jim Morrison in Wayne's World too. Uh, but he was twenty years old when this movie came out. Never would have guessed that, dude. I'm in my late thirties, and he looks older than me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Heather Graham was 18, and both Haim and Feldman were 17 when this came out. It's crazy. Yeah, yes. Especially if you put, like, Haim, who has, you know, kind of like... Uh, yeah, he has very young features, right? Yeah, he looked like a kid until he was about 28. Yeah, you put him next to Paolo, and you're, you're thinking, three-year difference? Not a chance. Yeah, no. God, no. Uh, this is where we're, uh, we're introduced to Dean... Corey Feldman's character uh, and he arrives on his bike and points out that the only difference between Les and Paulo is that one of them has their license and I strongly disagree <laughs> the, the biggest difference is one of them has their license for the last 10 years <laughs> yeah exactly uh, Paulo speeds off almost hitting Les and cementing himself as the asshole of the movie well at least the first third of the movie uh, he, was, he, he was late to work yeah he has to be on the run from the police at some point, <laughs> right? Maybe in that moment. Or, like, he sped off 
and almost hit less because he was in such a rush because he's not allowed to be a, be near a school. <laughs> His ankle bracelet was about to go off. <laughs> Uh, Dean tries to convince Les to hop on his handlebars for a ride home, but Les has a driving test in a few days and doesn't want to die beforehand. Um, it does happen anyway, though, and it looks like a fucking nightmare. I don't know how he didn't fall off that bike. I don't remember anybody ever sitting on the handlebars of a bike. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. I, I've always, like, when I was a kid, we used to stand on the spokes of the back wheel. Yeah, because that makes sense. This like normally, if I have if I have ever seen anybody sitting on the handlebars of a bicycle while somebody else is riding it, um, it's either a girl or a boy smaller than the person who's actually on the seat. Because like, as soon as uh, you hit anything, you're going head over heels. Or you know, a baby in a bassinet. Oh, a picnic basket. Those go on the handlebars pretty often. Or a milk crate. Or an alien trying to phone home? Yeah, that does happen. That being said, though, I don't really think that if they hit anything with that front wheel that they'd flip over with E.T. because they fly. So, less less of a worry there. Yeah, less of a worry. Ah, I did it, Sandro! <laughs> Les was pretty worried. <laughs> uh, the two admire Les's grandfather's Cadillac in the driveway, and Dean suggests they ask to borrow it. Mr. Anderson played by Richard, name I always get wrong, Mazur? 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 Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Clark from The Thing. Uh, vetoes it immediately. Dean gets out of helping clean the garage by faking a cough and takes off. Again, Les wants to borrow his mother's car, but his father tells him he needs his license first. Why even ask? I don't know. Like, you know you don't have your license. Why do you think they're going to say yes? The obvious yeah. answer is the one that he gets. Get your license first. Well, this is completely unrealistic to me in the first place. Because if I were less, I would never, ever talk to my father. Because that man is insane. Uh... He... Whoa, what? You want to you have a counterpoint to that? He seems, he seems all right. Are you serious? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got uh, he's got everything under control. Okay, I I know what you're doing here. <laughs> I'm not I, doing. I, 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 I document it, and this this guy is insane. We'll get to it. It's fun. <laughs> well, it's dinner time at the Andersons. Pregnant Mrs. Anderson, played by Carol Kane, helps herself to a massive plate of mashed potatoes and ketchup. Uh, the family discusses Les getting a twenty thousand dollar Mercedes that he wants. Is that how cheap a Mercedes was in 1988? Or is that how expensive a Mercedes is when she's in high school? No, no, no. Don't. Moving on. <laughs> Dean, his mother, and his little sister arrive at the Andersons to get less. He's not allowed to leave the dinner table, and Dean leans on the horn until the parents relent. So annoying. It was really annoying, but Haim was hilarious here. Looking awkward? He did not look awkward at all. He was smiling. He had a shit-eating grin on his face, just sitting there eating his food and drinking his milk. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he loved it. He knew his parents were going to give in. Oh, yeah, because they are unstable. Nah, they got all their conventions with them. 
Okay. Well, the friends arrive at a mansion for Debbie's birthday party. I don't remember them ever talking about Debbie before, but at least they're there for her party. Now, did you notice the layout of the cars in the driveway? No, I didn't pay attention to something like that. It makes no sense. They're pointing in multiple directions. There is no way anybody except for the cars on the far sides are getting out of there. They've blocked everybody in. It makes no sense. But anyway, the boys are mocked for Dean's mom having driven them to the party. As they should be. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, young young kids who don't have their license yet. Getting a ride? Nerds. Yeah. Speaking of which, their friend Charles joins them. Uh, Inside. This guy just kind of shows up. He just shows up, and then he's there. He's he's just there for the rest of the movie. And it's just just there. Yeah. He's kind of like the voice of reason, though. Or wait, no. He's just the hesitant one. He's very meek. Maybe he and Dean are figments of Les's imagination that are like the good angel on the shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Oh my god, it's a prequel to Dream a Little Dream. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Right. Uh, Inside the party, Dean starts getting creepy and poses the question, what type of car the girls at this party would lose their virginity in? And... It's awkward immediately, but then they fat shame that poor girl saying for her it would be a like a garbage truck or a dump truck or something. This was bad. It was pointless. Like I I don't remember this being common in 80s humor comedy. Like it does a great point at pointing out that teenagers are idiots, but it wasn't funny. It was just mean. Yep. Yeah, I got that same impression. Could have done yeah. without this. Well, we get more Paolo here. Uh, Mercedes arrives and Les is infatuated. Now, the one thing about these two is that Les knows nothing about her. He just knows what she looks like. Yeah. And for some reason, in his dreams, she smokes. Um, but let, let's talk about Paolo. Mercedes is upset that he's trying to control her. And he says one of the creepiest lines in the movie. It's okay to hang out with friends, but these people are children. They're the same fucking age as she is. (laughs) What do you expect from the chaperone at the party? (laughs) It's just like, he knows he's a creep, right? No, he's totally fine with what he's doing. She looks like a kid. Like there's no mistaking that. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, they get into an argument, and Mercedes trashes her Saturday night plans with him, saying she actually has a date with someone else. When he questions who the date is with, Mercedes randomly picks Les. He tries to play along and is completely dumbfounded. Paulo leaves in anger. Mercedes thanks Les and walks off. Just pretend you have a date with someone, yeah. and expect that to go over well. Uh, what if Paulo was like, what's his name? Steve. <laughs> Steve Les, Anderson. Les doesn't look like he's smart enough to say, yeah, I'm Steve. I, I think he'd be like more like, no, my name is Les. 
It's, it's, whatever. He's just, just... It's not that he looks like he doesn't know enough to like play along. The look on his face and his mouth is constantly just hanging open from this movie. It, it's not that he doesn't know enough. It's that he just doesn't know, period. Yeah, he's he's, he's a... confused a lot. Yeah, he's 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 not all there all the time like his parents. <laughs> yeah, right. He's still great. Uh, the next day at school, he approaches Mercedes to ask if she was serious about what she said. Uh, before he can get a word out, his dad pulls up in the caddy ready to give him driving lessons. At this point, his father definitely comes across as your stereotypical 80s teen comedy dad. And I can get behind it. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's coming to help his son practice driving. Nothing wrong with that. During the lesson, Les sees Mercedes on the sidewalk, and he tries to convince his father to let him drive the car alone so he can give her a lift home, or I guess just drive by and talk to her. Um father eventually agrees but my question here is how long have they been driving around i was just about to ask that because wasn't she just at the school she was just at the school i (laughs) don't know man it doesn't really matter i just found it weird well les pulls up and offers her a ride home uh she agrees and hops in but she's not actually going home she's going to a friend's house uh less nervously agrees drives off leaving his father on the sidewalk shouting Les's name uh, while holding groceries <laughs> yeah and diapers as Mercedes exits the car Les asks her about the date she originally asked him on uh, she's oblivious uh, but agrees and tells him to give her a call <laughs> Th- this did make me laugh when Les returns to his father and, and he's just furious like As the he should be ripped open. He's like kicking them along the sidewalk, trying to maintain some composure. Uh, and when they get back home, he gives Les the lecture of his life. Well, you have to assume he's been walking for a little while. Do you though? I I don't think based on his reactions that her friend lived a block away. I know, but obviously time means nothing. No, during this drive. But it feels like the implication here. Oh, definitely. Is that he's been walking for a while. So, of course, he's going to be angry. I'm just fucking with you, man. I'm cool with that. (laughs) Um, Later that night, Dean freaks out at Les for almost ruining his chances of getting a license. Uh, The two, along with Charles, are practicing for Les's driving test. And then Dean chastises Natalie for listening to classical music while studying for the same test. Um, I don't think i've ever seen a house where every room has an intercom was this a regular thing i i I, I don't know i've never had an intercom in a house yeah no me neither i've never seen one i mean it's cool i guess be kind of annoying because i almost feel like being monitored all the time i think the most that i've seen them in is like 80 sitcoms okay so we'll just assume it was an actual thing then all right then the next afternoon, Les has his computerized driver's test and fails miserably. <laughs> um, I find it really hard to believe that's how they did the original written test back then. I, I find it very hard to believe that he can do that poorly on the multiple choice questions that were presented to him. Those were easy, easy questions, too. Yeah, like, did they try to make him out to be a dummy? Well, he he is really what was he studying like i don't 
If this guy is this obsessed with getting his license, you'd think, you would think that he would be studying seriously for a period of time where he wouldn't be stumped by these questions. He was hesitant to get on the handlebars of Dean's bike because he was worried he would be physically harmed and not be able to make it to his test. He cares that much. He should have aced this. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you remember your driver's test, at least the written mm. one. I read the book one time, like a half an hour before I went in to write the test, and I passed. Because it's almost all common sense. Yep. It's so easy. But he ends up in a panicked rage, jumping to his feet and smacks the computer monitor, which somehow causes all of the computers in the room to fail. It's a sweet setup. I have a real uh, it, problem with what comes next. It causes a mass data loss, but Les is granted his pass to move on to his road test since his sister finished the test early and scored 100% before Les's outburst. And after all, how different could he be from his twin sister? Not a chance. <laughs> Why do the test? Why? I... I... I mean, it's obviously a plot device to keep the story moving. Yep. But you think they could have come up with something better? Anything better. <laughs> well, Les runs to his test car. Oh, God, this gets so creepy. Les runs to his test car and passes Natalie in hers. She seems stunned that Les got a pass, but is more stunned by her driving examiner, who gets in the car and looks her up and down before giving her a creepy smile. Is this like Paolo's cousin or something? What is it with people in this movie hitting on underage girls? I also looked at the ages, and I already said that Heather Graham is 18. This actor was 36. Just get out of the car, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Not Heather out. Graham. Sorry. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting her name. Natalie is the character's name. Uh, Nina. I can't say the last name. Simasco? Simesco? Yeah. Yeah, don't make me say that. Sorry. Les hops in his car, and much to my delight, his examiner is the late, great James Avery. Yeah! <laughs> I was so happy to see this. Uncle Phil and Shredder. Two of the best roles on TV ever. Yep. Last name first. First name last. <laughs> Buckle is... up, son. This is the real world out here. He is all business. It's great. He doesn't use a checklist or clipboard to decide he, he passes. Throws the he clipboard. uses his cup of coffee. He throws the clipboard out the window. So why did you have that in the first place? Doesn't even look. He's immediately establishing dominance. <laughs> doesn't look. Doesn't care if he hits anybody. So much for safety. But he uses his cup of coffee to decide who passes when he places it upon the dash of his car. Dude, I'm not Still passing that test. I've been driving for years. Make a turn. That coffee's over. <laughs> but yeah, spill the coffee and you fail. Um, comparing that test to his sister's test are completely different. I mean, just the fact that he passes this test, they should look past the written one. That parallel parking move he had to do, he actually did in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I read, that, I read that in the trivia. But I'm saying yeah, they're on the, the hill going up and the cup of coffee is tilted and it's not spilling. 
And dude, I don't care about the written test. You pulled that off, you can drive. He beat physics. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that would have stayed there. No. It's I was actually laughing out loud at his driving test. Yeah, it was great. And the whole time, James Avery is just glaring at him. I know. Uh, like, I, I know if I were in Hames or, say, Les's situation, I'd be super nervous. But at the same time, the way he's staring at him, I, I think it'd be really hard not to just burst out laughing. <laughs> he was great. He was great in everything, man. Natalie obviously passes her test. And miraculously, Les does too. Even though he almost hit that girl going th back to the parking lot. I, I but that was... What? I think there's some adult movies that show how she passed the test. Ooh. No, thank you. There's something wrong with that whole thing. Yeah. But they never really bring up her ability or inability to drive. I mean, from what we've seen in the test, it's passable, I would say. I feel like that guy would have failed her if she just passed on his advances. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that, I'm so glad that's the only time we see him in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, after getting his license, Les finds out that they've recovered his computer test results and his license is taken away immediately. I, I read in trivia they actually had to remove um, swearing in this scene to keep it PG-13. I don't know why you would have swearing in it anyway. I feel like, again, if he just passed that test, you look past the written one. He shouldn't be taking this one in the first place. No, but with how stupidly easy those questions were, he's obviously just done them all properly on the road. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Not to mention he's done them all properly. Mm -hmm. With the pressure of James Avery staring a hole through him the entire time. Yeah, immense pressure. And he succeeded everywhere. He might just be the best driver there that day. I would agree with you. Kind of weird. Whatever, it wouldn't work with the plot otherwise, but... No. Yeah, there's a lot of convenience in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he returns home to discover a bunch of congratulation notes from Dean and Charles posted on his bedroom door. Uh, the saddened Haim approaches his parents to admit his failure, but lies at the last second. Mr. Anderson is gassed up the car in anticipation of Les's success, but Les wants no part of it. I guess out of fear of being caught driving without a license? Yes. Because you have to wait, what, two years before you can try again if that happens? Uh, I don't know. Something like that. I think Dean says that in the movie. Um... Dean calls Les, who brags about getting his license, but hangs up when Dean asks him to drive over. Doing the laundry, Mrs. Anderson discovers Les's failed test printout. Honestly, if I were Les, that would have gone right in the garbage. Why did you even bring it home? Right. It would have gone in the garbage at the DMV. Oh, yeah. Plus, he was all, like, publicly shamed. I mean, get any evidence of that out of your life immediately. Yeah, you should have been taking that failure crumpling it up and shoving it down that lady's throat well then he would be arrested then he won't have to worry about not having his license she was super aggressive unnecessarily what was it miss helberg i don't remember um, maybe she was not a character she was not a nice lady no no she wasn't 
Les calls Mercedes, but as soon as she answers, Mr. Anderson rushes into Les's room and pours him a glass of champagne, which is super weird, thanking Les for saving him $23,000 for the Mercedes and insurance. A confused Les admits he doesn't understand what his father is saying, and Mr. Anderson shows him the test printout. Now, this is an asshole move. And this is the first time we see Mr. Anderson is really unhinged. And he is loving every second of it. Every second of it. But does that mean he was going to buy him the Mercedes? Honestly, I think so, yeah. I really do. But he's, like, so over-the-top, congratulatory. His son's 16. Don't give him booze. But okay, whatever. I loved it. What? It was it was a great scene. I, I guess... I don't know. I, I can't look at this realistically. I think that's my problem. Because if this movie was treated with realism, I'm pretty sure Mr. Anderson would have considered the fact that Les turned down the keys to the car out of guilt earlier that day when they offered it to him. I mean, if, if we were in realism, he wouldn't be in this situation. But that's yes. a good point. <laughs> you can't look at this movie with any form of realism. Yeah, I know, because next he grounds less for two weeks and is now being completely reasonable. <laughs> That's great. Like he scared the shit out of his kid. And then was like, ah, it's not so bad, but it happens again and again. Like I would be terrified. I would run away from home. Yeah. Well, you'd have to run because you don't have a license to drive. Oh, <laughs> also less is uh, less. Than Title of the movie. Brother. Yeah. What? <laughs> Less than Natalie's little brother is completely ignored. That kid's going to grow up to be a serial killer. Why is he there? I don't know. Like, I have no idea. So that they can be having their fourth kid? Like, this would have worked just fine with just the two of them expecting the third kid. It has to be like a producer's kid or something. I don't know. All right. Um, Natalie's boyfriend, Carl, Grant Heslov, arrives at the house to pick her up but asks Mrs. Anderson if Natasha is home. Um, I originally thought that was a goof that nobody picked up on in editing. But he calls her Natasha repeatedly. So I was like, is it because Carl's an over-the-top caricature of a teenage communist? Hence the remark about the Audi being a capitalist gas guzzler when they leave for the protest. But I looked into it, and Natasha is the diminutive name for Natalie. Wow, you, way... you went yeah. deep into that. I was curious. But it just shows how they actually like were serious about certain elements of this movie and completely non-caring about other elements. Am I wrong like... to think that this dude looked pretty old too? Oh yeah, well he is. He's also incredibly familiar. Another one of those classic, hey, it's that guy actors. Just another older looking dude in this movie. Mm -hmm. Interested in a younger girl. 11.15pm, <laughs> Mercedes calls Les. She thought they had a date and called since she hadn't heard from him. He lies about being deep sea fishing and agrees to pick her up in 20 minutes. Then breaks the fourth wall saying, an innocent girl, a harmless drive. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the fact a that lot. she... A lot. 
that fact that she's dumb enough to buy that you were deep sea fishing. Where do they live? Not anywhere where you would be coming like back from deep sea fishing that quickly. No, no, I agree. I feel like it's stated. I really want to know now because I'm pretty sure it's nowhere near an ocean. Well, why don't we take a quick break to hear a message from our friend Tim. Knights and Nerds is not just an actual play D&D podcast with an original campaign being played by a group of friends who tolerate each other. It's also a podcast where I, the Dungeon Master, talk about how I'm adapting to the choices the players make, as well as revealing to you, the audience, the complex story and deadly twists that I have in store for my players. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or at knightsandnerds.com. And we're back. So, Sandro did some research, and apparently this movie is set in Southern California, so it gets a pass on deep-sea fishing. Even though it doesn't look like it. I'm still not giving it a pass, because it doesn't say what city, and it doesn't look like they're anywhere close enough to the coastline for that to be a quick trip. I agree. It just seems like a, a stupid thing that Les would have thought of on the spot. He does that a lot. He does that a yeah, lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. He manually rolls the caddy out of the garage as to not wake his parents, but it gets away from him and destroys the hedge in the front yard. I thought it was a pretty funny scene. I thought it was going to like back across the road as it did, but then hit like a pole or something right away. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Anderson wakes up, runs downstairs, sees the caddy's dented, and then just beats the shit out of his son. <laughs> Roll credits. And I wouldn't put it past him. That man is insane. He's awesome. Uh, okay. Mrs. Anderson wakes up thinking she's going into labor, and we get some idea as to what to expect throughout the rest of the movie. Comic hijinks. <sighs> they just keep going back to it. I don't like it. Uh, Les arrives at Mercedes' house. She answers the door, and all he can think is that she took Homer Simpson's makeup gun to the face. (laughs) (laughs) They get in the car and drive off. They pull up to a club that has valet parking. The attendant hops in the car ahead of them and immediately crashes it. (laughs) Fishtailing. As soon as he hit the gas, that car was spinning. What is Uh, this? I have no idea. What? It It doesn't fit in the movie at all. It doesn't fit in the movie. These are high school kids going to a club that has valet. I can't imagine it's all ages. Oh, definitely not. And they both look underage. There's no way either of them could pass for 21, even though she gets in no problem. Again, creepy. Yeah, Um, the bouncer definitely checks her out as she's going in. Yeah, but before that happens, um, Les is too terrified to... uh, hand over the Cadillac to a valet and speeds uh, off. I mean, can you blame him in this scenario? No. And he's <laughs> He is terrified that something will happen to the car that he took without his parents' knowledge. You, you don't even have to be taking your parents' car. If you see the valet driver do that right in front of you, you oh, have... Oh, fuck no. I'm you, gone. We're not even going to this club. You have a right to believe that that is not a safe thing to do, to hand your keys to these people. <laughs> And I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning, but this is not his parents' car. It's his grandfather's car. You didn't, but sure. But I also don't understand why the grandfather would leave the Cadillac with the Andersons 
and take their BMW instead. But whatever. The only thing that would have made more sense is if they had, like, a van. Because they're a family. A big family expecting another kid. And he needed to, like, move stuff. Oh, I need yeah. a bigger vehicle. I can't use a caddy for that. But Exactly. He takes what? Like, their BMW? Yep. He takes the BMW. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Obviously preferring to park the car himself. He parks in a tow-away zone. At first worried, but Mercedes assures him that it's fine for a Saturday night. Again, she's allowed in the club, no problem, but the doorman won't let Les enter. Well, we get more Paulo now. Uh, Mercedes runs into him inside. He introduces her to Veronique, a girl who's going to be moving in with him. So, again, how old is this guy supposed to be? I don't know! <laughs> because if they're supposed to be the same age, he's in high school, which means he then has his own apartment and a girlfriend who lives with him and owns a Ferrari. I'm not entirely sure he doesn't own this nightclub. I got that same vibe. <laughs> what? The way he talks to everybody in there sound like they all know who he is. It's just matter of fact. Yeah, I, I don't know. I and mean, if that is the case, why would they go to that club? Because it's the club where he lets underage children into his club. Good point. Uh, Mercedes slaps him, grabs a bottle of champagne, and runs out of the club. Well, Les that's just her. stealing. It is. <laughs> like, <laughs> if that's uh, not Les... his club, somebody ain't going to be happy about her just taking a bottle of champagne. I don't know. I think no one's saying shit because of letting underage kids in there. Mm -hmm. well, that's one thing, I guess. Yeah. Les stops her and asks if she's okay, but then sees a tow truck hauling away the Cadillac. He runs through traffic before jumping onto the front of the truck and pleading with the driver. And this is one of my favorite quotes of the movie. And I, it, I don't know. It, it feels out of place, but I liked the, the tow truck driver. He says, boy, I've driven with deer, antelope, even bears strapped to that bumper. Ain't no 65 pound sack of fly shit like you going to shake me a hell of a difference. <laughs> And I think I'm going to have to incorporate Shake Me a Hell of Difference into my uh, repertoire. No, don't do that. No, no, don't worry, I won't. Les pays the driver $80, he just drops the car in the street. Yeah, can you be gentle with it for $80? <laughs> Les now broke, and Mercedes decide what to do next. Mercedes is pounding back that champagne and says she knows of a quiet spot with plenty of free parking. They arrive at a lookout point, which does look awesome, by the way. Uh, they flirt for a while. Les throws on some Frank Sinatra because the tape deck ate his uh, romantic Mercedes mix that he made. And Mercedes is well on her way to being wasted now. Well on her way. Yeah. She's wasted, man. That, that bottle of champagne is like a third gone. She's getting up and dancing on the car. Yeah. Uh, fair. I I want to say, like, champagne's not that strong, but we have to keep in mind these are high school kids. Or not. We don't know. Oh, uh, we know they are, for sure. Um, This whole scene, Aless is trying to stop the car from getting damaged. Um, But they've already driven through brush. Um... He originally tries to stop her from sitting on it, uh, getting a blanket for her to sit on instead. Then, yeah, like you said, she gets up onto the hood and dances on it with her shoes on. Then 
kisses less and they fall on the hood denting it i wouldn't want somebody doing that if it was my own car let alone a car i'm trying like god no that's just rude and i say now she's fully smashed um keeps trying to make out with him and then passes out in his lap um what does he do next Time to go to Dean's house so he can have the uh, dents hammered out. Um, and I caught what I think is a good Lost Boys reference here. Did you catch this too? Uh, refresh my memory here. Um, Dean saying not to worry about the noise. His parents are vampires. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, would mean they're awake. So, all right. Dean has done a surprisingly amazing job on that car, I do have to say. Oh, well, that's what he does, I guess. That's his purpose in the movie. Yep, pretty much. Uh, he asked if they could go to Archie's, which I wasn't too sure what Archie's was at that point. And Les says no, since Mercedes doesn't have to be home for a few hours. And then we get another weird, cringy moment of Dean saying, Les, let me explain something to you. Unless you're into some intense, kinky shit, and you never know after tonight... Uh, this Mercedes has a dead battery. And we see Mercedes passed out against the window in the back seat of the Cadillac. That's a good line. I mean, this Mercedes has a dead battery, yeah. Before that, uh, pointless. Uh, I mean... It's a 80s teen romantic comedy? Uh, I don't think teen so. Com- we'll say teen comedy. Sure. Uh, Les relents, and the four of them head to Archie's. Uh, he shoots down Dean's attempt to getting them all smoke cigars in the car. He's also driving slow enough that everybody, including a street sweeper, angrily passes him. Funny scene. We get a drag race sight gag, and then another false labor scene at the Anderson residence. Uh, Mr. Anderson goes to the garage to turn on the AC, but is distracted before he can notice that the Cadillac is missing. You know, there's a lot of cringy moments in this movie. Going over these notes again, like, what? This is like the fifth one now. Is We're the, back in the. Is the it, next? It's back in the, yeah, in the. Yeah, car. yeah. This is really bad. Back in the car, Mercedes still passed out, slumps over onto Dean's lap. Now, first off, what the fuck is he doing with his hands? I don't know. Yeah, it's probably best we don't talk about that. Anyway, he then takes Charles' camera and starts taking photos of her breasts. Corey Feldman, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I don't think he ad-libbed that. I'm pretty sure it was... Oh, that's definitely, definitely written in. Yeah. Yeah, I was just shitting on Corey Feldman. Well, stop it. Dean, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. All right. Perfect. (laughs) Les fights with him to get the camera, inadvertently being blinded by the flash. The car spins out of control. They fly through a wooden fence down an embankment and slide into a parking spot at a shady bar called Shakey's. Mercedes is about to throw up and Les frantically drags her out, immediately dropping her when he notices a scratch on the car. And I feel terrible now that for a good chunk of this movie, Heather Graham is nothing but a sight gag for the film. I mean, she's passed out for most of the rest of it. She doesn't have to deliver lines. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping she got a decent paycheck for it, but I don't know. The bit of acting that we see her do is not bad, and I think she could have added more to the movie. Like, write in another uh, another character for her to play and have somebody else play the Mercedes role. Uh, I guess, yeah, if they remade that movie today, 
I don't think Charles would be there. I'm pretty sure it would be a woman. Uh, Dean claims they're two seconds away from Archie's, but they're still in the city, and previously he said it was in the middle of a desert. Charles decides that the best thing to do is get Mercedes a soda and drags her into the bar. Did you catch that desert line? No, I didn't, actually. Yeah, because they eventually do go to Archie's, and they are still in the city. Anyway. It must be the desert where he went deep sea fishing. Most likely. Yeah. Dean gives Les a pep talk, trying to convince him of the need to go to Archie's. Mercedes is face down on a table inside. So the new plan? Put her in the trunk. <laughs> and I did chuckle at Dean saying, wow, did you ever once think you'd see a Mercedes fit in the back of a Cadillac? That, that was a decent line. It was a good line, yeah. I, I definitely gave that one a chuckle. I guess that's why they gave her that name, just so that they could have these shitty jokes. Oh, definitely. It's a, an obvious pun for the movie title alone. Uh, they arrive at Archie's Atomic Coffee Shop restaurant thingy and are immediately stoked on the amount of hot women they see there. And again, I made a point. Note that Archie's is in the city, not the desert. Dean has arranged for three girls to hang out with them. But before the girls arrive, Charles opens the car door and slams it into the next car over, which just so happens to be the car from the drag race. They speed out of the lot with the driver of the other car pounding on their windshield. He takes a pretty rough bump, too, when they jerk the wheel and he just goes flying. <laughs> cut, cut to Mrs. Anderson in bed watching the protest on TV. Les notices his mother's car being towed away and the boys find themselves surrounded by military vehicles. They end up at the protest, and in the chaos of it being broken up, the Cadillac is attacked by protesters, including Natalie. They get arrested, and the Andersons have already fallen asleep, not seeing the commotion on TV. Yeah, and of course, it's just about to start on the television before they change the channel. Because it's like, oh, almost! They didn't change the channel, though. They fell asleep. I thought they changed the channel or turned it off. Oh, wait. Uh, he, yeah. Um, Mrs. Anderson is asleep. And Mr. Anderson, who looks like he's half asleep, just grabs the remote and points at the TV that he's not looking at and turns it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, the boys hit a police check and Les has no license or registration to show them, so he instead hands over his student bus pass. <laughs> and he finally admits to the guys that he failed the exam. Fine up until this point. I'm, I'm, inter <laughs> I'm interested in how they do these in the States or in the 80s, because... I've been pulled over in speed traps and, and, you know, just drinking and driving checks many yeah. times before. Mm -hmm. And usually it's like, have you had anything to drink? No. All right. See, they don't ask me for license and registration. That would take too much time. I guess. But maybe they just assume that since this kid looks like he's 16, you might want to question a bit more. Well, age is just a number in this movie, apparently. So apparently. Ugh. Uh. The boys are lined up outside the car, and one officer tells Les to open the trunk, revealing the drunk Mercedes. Before the police can do anything, though, they get a call to go to a riot at Allied Tech. And the cop tells Les he got lucky and leaves. He just leaves. <laughs> he discovers a drunken girl in the trunk of a car being driven by minors with no license, and they just leave. <laughs> That's quality law enforcement right there. SoCal. Bad, bad representation. Yep. Or accurate. I don't know. Mm, no, trust me. I've been there. 
The boys are in the process of taking Mercedes out of the trunk when a drunk who is being questioned by the police steals the Cadillac. I didn't like any of this. I hated I hated that drunk character. He's just going to get into another car because it's a nicer car? This is... He calls it a Maserati. <laughs> well, the boys in turn steal the drunk's Volkswagen and speed after him. In my and mind, then... in my mind, right? I'm watching yeah. this movie, okay? It's obviously not what happens, but I'm watching this movie and I'm like, perfect. Walk home, act like nothing happened, and just accuse the car of being stolen. Worst case, the police are going to find it in the possession of a drunken guy. You know what? You could even say, you you can admit blame at this point and still come out, you know, smelling of roses. Like, just say, like, yes, I, I took the car, but it was then taken from me. Because I think it's going to be hard to put the drunk at the house to have taken it from the garage. And no. even then be like, be like, I was in the wrong for doing that, but this is not my doing. I, I just, they did nothing with it. They're like, we got to get the car back. Yes, let's get the damaged, broken, destroyed car back so that we can say that we did it. Like, that makes sense. It, I don't know. It could just be that we can't really look at this movie with a serious eye. Um, because, I mean, they've already been stopped by the police. The police still have his bus pass. So they know that they were out driving it. Oh, did they keep it? I didn't know if he gave it back to him or not. Mm, I think they did. I could be wrong. Actually, then even then it wouldn't matter. Just be like, yeah, we were stopped after we saw Natalie at a violent protest. And then the car was stolen. Right, because they saw Natalie. <sighs> Really Hell, she was even pounding on the car. They wrote themselves into a corner, I guess, on this one. <laughs> they outdid themselves. Yep. Where was I here? Ah, yes. The car the drunken chase. man. Yeah, he just destroys that Cadillac throughout his joyride. And eventually passes out of the wheel. Uh, in a daring move, Les crawls out of the driver's side window of the Beetle and into the back seat of the moving Cadillac. They crash through a construction site and are about to fly off an embankment, but Les manages to crawl into the front seat and hit the brakes just in time. With the car back in their possession, Les drops the boys off at Dean's house. <sighs> Mrs. Anderson wakes her husband to let him know she's finally going into labor. Surprise, it's another false alarm. Les takes Mercedes home where the two finally kiss and then goes home and parks the destroyed Cadillac back in the garage. At first, Les's father doesn't notice the damage, more confused as to where the other car is and what happens, to, what happened to the lawn and the hedges, before finally realizing the devastation that's right next to him. Uh, more classic Mr. Anderson here. Fantastic. He goes on a massive tirade, threatening to take everything away from Les, including his college fund and even sunlight. Yeah, sunlight. You know you messed up. He's a terrible person. He's awesome. He's incredibly vindictive. I mean, but he's <laughs> in a panic because his wife is going into labor and not, and then again going into labor to yeah. find this. 
He's gonna be a little hysterical, dude. Oh, I know. But at what point do you think all of his attention should shift onto Les and how much Les is going to be punished when his wife is laying on the steps into the garage in labor? I mean, he starts going on that tirade over Les when she says, oh, it was a false alarm. He's just then so preoccupied by it, he doesn't see that she starts going into uh, the labor again. Yeah, still. It's a fucking car, man. Unless unless Mr. Anderson's father, Grandpa, is even more unhinged than he is. I mean, let, let's let's put ourselves into his shoes for a minute. We didn't just watch this movie. We're just seeing the after effect of this car in this condition. Imagine what sort of scenarios your brain might be conjuring up for establishing how this happened to this car. Because it's not like he brought the car home and there was a scratch on the side. This thing is destroyed. My immediate thought would be, are you okay? Well, I mean, he's standing in front of you without a scratch on him. Exactly, but that would still be my first question. Are you okay? Yes? Perfect. You're not gonna be. (laughs) I don't know. Are you okay? For now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Like you said, at this point, uh, Mrs. Anderson actually goes into labor. Uh, She's put in the back of the Cadillac and pulls her husband in with her. Les says he'll drive. Okay. I really hate Mr. Anderson. Okay, sorry. Les says he'll drive to the hospital. And his father agrees as long as he drives like he has a license. But then gets mad at Les for stopping at a red light. Because there's no traffic around. And they're driving to the hospital, not a bridge game. Yeah. Drive like you have a license. Why are you stopping at a red light? I mean... I understand. I understand she's gone into labor. But why say drive like you have a license? If you're going to be like, break the law. Break the law the entire way. Well, I think when he said drive like you have a license, he just meant drive well. I guess. Maybe. But you don't need to have a license to drive well. I mean... The movie's called License to Drive. I you, know. I know what the movie's called. I'm it, uh, okay. Well, the car's transmission dies, finally. And now it can only drive in reverse. Which I didn't know was a thing. If you have a that much of a messed up transition, that the only thing you can do is drive in reverse. Dude, I don't know cars. I've also never seen a car that can drive in reverse that fucking fast. Oh, that they can go. They can go. Lying. He was passing cars, though. On the road, passing cars in reverse. They drive on sidewalks, through patios, across medians, and more, eventually passing Les's driver, uh, driving examiner, sorry, who spills his coffee on himself finally. Great throwback. It was great, yeah. He needed to be in this movie more. I understand why he wasn't, but it would have been amazing. Make him Mr. Anderson. Perfect. That would have been great. I wouldn't have cared. (laughs) if he was crazy at that point. I just want him on screen more. Um, The car spins under a massive girder being hoisted by a crane for some reason. It makes no sense why that obstacle's there other than a soon-to-occur sight gag. Uh, Mrs. Anderson's taken into the hospital. Mr. Anderson asks Les where he learned to drive like that and then assures him that everything involving the car will be fine. They can fix it up and maybe Les's grandfather won't notice anything. This man is insane. (laughs) 
He's absolutely insane. He is insanely awesome. No. He's just crazy. Okay. Like, Child Protective Care Services, like, get on the phone now. Hey, he ain't ain't picking up high school girls. No, but he's going to murder a child. (laughs) He's not going to really murder (laughs) his child. You just Uh, say that kind of thing as a parent. Sure. Of course, the crane malfunctions and drops the massive beam directly on top of the car, crushing it. Time passes. How much time? I don't know. And Grandpa has returned home. The first thing he wants to see is his car. Mr. Anderson immediately throws Les under the bus, blaming him for everything. Without even having left nice. the house yet. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's a great dad. Looking at the destroyed automobile, Grandpa bursts into laughter then reveals that he, in turn, has also destroyed Mr. Anderson's BMW. Les' father tells him that he now has that BMW who always wanted. Heather Graham pulls up in her car, and Les tells his father, No thanks, I already have a Mercedes. He hops in her car, and the two drive off, and we fade to blue? And roll credits? Who fades to blue? Like, why was that a decision that was made? Uh... <laughs> there are so many questions about this movie. <laughs> like, what reality is this set in? None. No reality. No. There are none. Nothing. There is no way that through all of these, like, chase scenes, uh, car, like, shots of the car being destroyed, that nobody else got hurt. There's no chance. People like people definitely got injured nah, in nobody, this world. Nobody was on the street. Convenient. But like you like even just every time that that Les loses control. Or like that drunk was driving in traffic, swaying in and out of lanes in front of other cars, like sending cars off the road. Like people definitely got injured. But it's a 1988 to Corey's teen comedy, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, well, that was the movie. Sure was. How did it do, good friend? Very well. Okay. Um, not that surprising, though. I mean, the Corys were massive at this point. It's a year after um, Lost Boys. Um, so they ended up making the movie for roughly $8 million dollars. And it pulled in about three times its budget, um, just over $22 million, $22.4 million. I, I don't really know the director or writer at all, uh, Greg Beeman and Neil Tolkien, but I know Beeman has done a lot of really good TV work. And this kind of felt like it was more of a made-for-TV movie than an actual theatrical film. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to reviews, though, um, I don't agree. Uh, okay. IMDb, it's at a 6.3. Uh, with Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter has it at, uh, well, the critics gave it a 24%. And the audience score is 61%. Well, so the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is pretty on par with the IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that score. But, I mean, it found its target audience, I guess. All right. Moving let's move on let's get to awards cool worst performance uh i i'm biased here 
And I know you are going to say, go ahead. Carol Kane. What? With Mrs. Anderson. I've never liked her in any movie. That's is, what I'm saying. I'm is biased. it her voice? Uh, well, it that, mm, doesn't help. But I never seem to care about any character she plays. And it's universal throughout all of her movies that I've seen. So, again, I'm saying it's a bias. It's just I feel like anybody else could have done better. But she kept getting work in big movies, so obviously I'm wrong. It's just I couldn't overlook it. Every time she was on the screen, I just wanted that to be over. Luckily, she didn't share long scenes with anybody. Okay. Well, I mean, I can't give you a hard time for that because I kind of broke our rules with my pick, too. Is it somebody who's hardly in the movie? Yeah. Okay. And, and I know, like, you know, it's not supposed to be our favorite or least favorite, so I can't give you a hard time about that, but it's also not supposed to be somebody who's so infrequently in it. But I went with Grant Hesloff as Carl. Every time that he was on the <laughs> camera, which was, which was a low amount, I will admit, and every time he opened his mouth, I wanted him to shut the F up. <laughs> And it wasn't just the lines that he was given. His delivery was awful. Fake Russian accent? Fake! So bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe with Hesloff, he could have a Russian background. I'm not sure. And his name was Carl, right? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the actor, right? Might have yeah. had a Russian background. I don't know the actor, but... No. no um, with, a, with a last name like Hesloff, it's possible. It's possible. No, it's within it's, the realm of possibility. It probably is. I was just shrugging it but that's that's the problem if this guy has a russian background and still sounds like he's doing a bad fake russian accent mm -hmm. there's something wrong so uh, i guess we kind of both cheated on that one i kind of cheated on best performance too really yeah because i i picked one for screen time and then i had an honorable mention for one with almost no screen time Oh, I feel like your honorable mention would probably be my honorable mention if I did an honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, for best performance, I mean, the shocker, I picked Corey Haim. Not a chance, man. I, I know you love him, but not in this movie. Oh, yeah. Who was better than him in this movie? My pick. Okay. And your honorable mention. James Avery. Yeah, James Avery was better than him for sure. He had less screen time than Carl. Yeah, it's, but it's James Avery. Okay. He was very, very strong every time he was on screen. But he didn't have to do nearly as much as Haim did. And I think Haim played the character of Les Anderson perfectly. That's why I said that Except I would... Except for breaking the fourth wall. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, but that's writing, not performance. Um... Uh, that's why I said if I did honorable mention, I would have given James Avery an honorable mention as well. Okay. But he's your best performance? No. No, he would oh, be... Oh, I'm completely confused. All right, so... No, 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 no. I just got caught up in the conversation. You asked oh, who okay. did better, and we were talking about the honorable mentions. I didn't pick James Avery because I did follow the rules on that one, and honestly, I wanted to pick him, but mm -hmm. like you just said, not enough screen time. Yeah. Um, although, if I did an honorable mention, he would absolutely be it. I, I would have to have an honorable mention with him. Any movie he's in, he gets honorable mention, best performance, if not the best performance. Yeah, it depends on screen time, I guess. Right? Uh, I went with Richard Mazur as Mr. Anderson. No! His performance was amazing! 
No, he wasn't amazing. Yes, None of it was, was believable whatsoever. Okay, well, what was believable in this movie? Go ahead and tell me. What part was believable? Corey Haim. Corey Haim. Corey Haim was completely believable. Not a chance. You're telling me the kid who can't put two thoughts together somehow has these sparkling moments of genius and bravery where he jumps from car to car and fails his drive? No, no. Corey Haim's character and... I mean, to be fair, his performance with his mouth constantly open in every scene, like he does yeah. not get best performance. He even criticized himself for that one. Oh, and yet you won't. I think he played that character I perfectly. I think that shows your bias. I said I was biased already. All right. And that's why Richard Mazur was the best His wrong choice. He, he, I mean, he flew yeah. off the handle multiple times, but that just showed his versatility. Though, it was uh, not versatility. Oh, yeah, he could play a straight character, like when he went to, like, pick up his son and take him driving. You're like, ah, he's a good dad. And then when he's going insane because his wife is in labor and his kid totaled the car, like, he played all of that superbly. No, he didn't. Yes, no he way. did. Get out of here. It's, it's fine that you think that, uh, and that's totally okay, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm less wrong than you are. <laughs> Fuck No. You are well, giving. He, he doesn't have the chops to play that unhinged character well. You are giving Corey Haim a pass. Even let's when not he... talk about. Let's not talk about Corey Haim. We're talking about Clark from the thing. He should act only in dramas. I mean, he was great in the thing too, but he was amazing in the thing, and he was great in this. He was definitely in this. <sighs> let's just move on. We're not going to agree. Okay. We can agree you're wrong, but we're not going to agree. So let's just move on. No. What was your most memorable or favorite line? Uh, probably one that nobody else would ever pick. Uh, oh, whenever you say something like that, I'm like, I hope he says what I have written down. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to be like, yes. Who, uh, who, who speaks your your most memorable line? Uh, Club Dorman. Okay. No. Ah. Mine's less. Okay. And uh, it's uh, after the tow truck scene. Okay. And uh, and Mercedes asks what they're going to do or what he wants to do next. And he says, with the amount of money I have in my pocket, we have two choices. We can either sit in front of a parking meter for 20 minutes or we can go buy ourselves a newspaper. <laughs> That's a pretty good line, but I, I, I wouldn't say it was my most memorable. I loved it. Yeah, what uh, what was your uh, doorman line? So when they're when he lets um, Mercedes in, right, and you know he's being creepy old man, uh, and he turns around and Les is trying to walk in and says, "I'm with her." The doorman says, "Boy, you wouldn't be with her if she was your Siamese twin." Now get lost. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite lines. Well, with, obviously it was because that's what I picked. Duh. Anyway. I'm I'm pretty sure we have the same memorable scene. Oh, it has to be. I mean, I started off, but I'm sure you have the same one. And I just put the entire driving test with James Avery. Yep. <sighs> I have I have Les's driving test. Avery's line delivery is amazing, and Haim's reactions are priceless. You had to see that coming. Oh, totally. That's the best scene in the movie. All right, man. Well... We have surprisingly not said anything about our overall thoughts about the movie yet. Although you probably can get some impressions. 
Mm-hmm. So it's time to reveal to people your overall thoughts of this movie and any potential recommendations. I do not recommend this movie to anybody. I'm I, I cannot. so surprised <laughs> I that cannot... you would say that about any Corey Haim movie. <laughs> Just because I like it doesn't mean everybody else is going to. And I'm a firm believer that if I convinced anybody else to watch this movie, they would be mad at me. This is not a movie you can even really have fun with uh, watching it with a group of friends because you would get lost in conversation about something completely unrelated because this movie does not... it does, Not once does it grab your attention and it definitely isn't going to hold it if it can't grab it. So I don't know. Uh, I, I like Corey Haim a lot and I think he was great in this. James Avery was great in this. Richard Mazur was great in this. I know you believe that, and that's fine. <laughs> um, even Feldman, to an extent, he was okay. He was passable. Um, I still think that and, Feldman, at, as long as he's in a supporting role, can do it well. Yeah, he can. But he's not necessary. Um, I mean, as we discussed, there's a number of characters in this movie who are unnecessary. So Yeah, like Mr. Anderson. Um, oh, no, no. But, obviously, if there's no threat of getting caught, then none of the plot makes sense. There is a really weird niche in teen comedy that is either a hit or a miss. There's no in-between. And that is the the teen comedy that takes place in one day or one night. Um, granted, this does take place at the beginning. That's a different day. At the end, it's the morning after. Um but then you've got movies like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which all takes place on a day they're skipping school. There's uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which for the most part is a party one night. Um, and, and Can't Hardly Wait is a hit. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, people will argue, is a hit. Uh, this is a massive miss. Uh, th- there's really no excuses for it. It's just not done well. Um and while I hate saying that, because like I said, I love Corey Haim movies, there is no way I could, I could tell anybody else to watch this movie, and try and like lead them on to believe that they would enjoy it. So no, I don't recommend this. I'm so surprised. I really am. I, okay, I thought you were being. Uh, I thought you were joking. In what, no, I, I honestly thought that if it's a Corey Haim movie, you're going to recommend it. I have weird taste, but I'm not crazy. Yeah, I mean, you picked them for best performance. Your bias is yeah, showing. Yeah, you, you picked the best performance for best performance, and that's what I did. Okay, buddy. Um, so you said that if you were to convince anybody to watch this movie, they would hate you. And I hate you. I really, really hate you. This movie sucked. <laughs> I don't even think I could have save this movie by watching it with like a, an entire room full of friends each one cracking wise about it this movie mm-hmm. is junk yeah it's bad <laughs> i own two copies of it like i'm i'm watching it and i'm trying to find something redeemable okay maybe the movie's not great but perhaps there's some quotable lines even the most memorable line was a stretch right mm-hmm. like this movie is just written poorly. There's nothing fantastic about the way it's filmed. I thought even just when we were watching the dream sequence at the beginning, 
okay, maybe they'll do a few dream sequences, we can get a few fun moments. But no, after that, it's essentially the driving test. And then the rest yeah. is just a slog to the finish line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I do enjoy it. It is terrible. It is so terrible. I... <laughs> You reference Can't Hardly Wait, which just puts salt on the wound, because we could have watched a good teen movie. <laughs> Instead, you made me watch this garbage. Um, the, the disclaimer at the beginning of this episode should have been, if you're listening to this episode, we're sorry you watched this movie. Yeah, well, blame me. I, I actually would have to debate if I would rather watch this or The Ninth Gate. Oh, Ninth Gate all the way. Mm, I mean, at least this one's shorter, so it would be over sooner. But mm, all right, ninth, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna calm down and say I do not recommend. Well, we agree. All right, Ben. Yes, this was a rough week, man. This was mm -hmm. a rough week. How's next week gonna go? Oh, it's gonna be amazing. All right, what are we watching? Uh, we're going to watch another movie with uh, with Nina Zamasco because we will be watching 1994's Airheads. I can't take that tape from you. If it's unsolicited, I can't touch it. It's not easy to break into the music business, but these three guys... What's your secret code? I can't tell you my code. ...just found a way. You guys are a unsigned band, and you broke into the radio station to get your demo played on the air? I just feel a little goofy with a water pistol. They don't know it's a water pistol. They think it's real. Oops. Look, all I want to do is be heard, and then we're out of here. Okay, who are you guys? My name's Pip. The band. The band name. Sorry about that. Oh, man, look, it's the demo's wasted! Well, what are we going to do now? Run! Hello, police. I'm surrounded. I don't want to go to jail. I'm fragile. Everybody on the floor right now. Uh, do, do you mind if I sit in a chair? I, I don't want to get all crowded. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, if she doesn't sit on the floor, I don't know why I have to. Sit down! Everybody else gets to sit in a chair except for you. Is everybody okay in there? He wants to know what your demands are for releasing the hostages. W what's he mean by hostages? It's the inbreed. We asked for a whole bunch of weird stuff. This way we can plead insanity later. Number 13, naked pictures of B. Arthur. Excuse me? I think you're exceeding the maximum weight limit for that belt. <laughs> no! Jeopardy, having a good time tonight! What are you thinking about? Swimming pools. He doesn't wear a helmet, does he? <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. Yoro, It's a plastic gun! A plastic gun! <laughs> Now, what are you going to do about that, chunk style? <laughs> Improvise. The Lone Rangers? What's wrong with that? Well, there's three of you. You're not exactly lone. No idea what you're saying right now. Airheads. I cut a deal with them. We got to send one person out. I'll go. One of the hostages, doof. Sorry. The music made them do it. All right, well, that's a movie I've seen before. So until next time, have a good one. All the best, guys.